0: Hello everyone, welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. If you're joining us for the first time, PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights in the promotional products business. My name is Bobby Lee Hugh. I'm here yet again with my friend and co-host Mark Graham in about the 150th manliest city in the U.S., which is Toronto, Canada. We're joking because I was just telling Mark that Oklahoma City has been ranked this year as the manliest city to live in in the U.S. And we're visiting today with Mitch Munger. Mitch, am I pronouncing your last name right? Did yes, I just, sure. all, right, all right, great. With CEO at Sunrise Identity, located in Seattle, and, uh, and yet another one of those guys in our industry that, that most people already know have, has been uh, CEO of Sunrise Identity, such a uh, cool brand, very successful distributor in our industry. Sunrise Identity has been recognized as one of the top 50 distributors by Promo Marketing Magazine. Uh t- twice that I know of Mitch, you guys have been recognized on the best places to work list.
1: Uh actually we just made our fourth list, oh, fourth, fourth consecutive. Wow. Okay, wow. fourth
0: consecutive. Um so let's just get right into it. What I know I saw you on the panel in NLC, Mark and I did too. You had one of the best statements of the entire uh event. <laughs> But I'm afraid I won't live that one down. (laughs) It was perfect. It's like, we got to get him on the podcast. What is it about sunrise identity that keeps you guys keep hitting this best places to work list?
1: Well, you know, I, I touched on it at the, uh, NALC event, um, culture of the company. And, uh, You know, culture to me is not the things that I almost consider cliche now. Uh, I guess others don't, but it's not about dogs in the office or beer in the fridge or flexible work schedules. Uh, It's really about kind of sharing a common goal with your team, getting them on board and finding a way to make them want to win the game. Um, And, you know, I do that through a couple different ways, but uh, really it's transparency into how the company is doing. Uh, It's making them understand what our plan is and then uh, treating them with respect and then if you do those things they uh, they seem to respond and we can all work together and be successful
2: Mitch I'm I'm always curious when we chat about about uh, culture uh, and 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 I know that Sunrise has been around for a while I I believe this is uh you, you're the second generation in the business is that correct kind of yes okay.
1: uh, you know the, the reality is is that uh, my sister and I started the company um, and then we brought in, uh, our dad for a few years, uh, to help us through some of our growth. And now he's since retired. So got it. Uh, okay. a family business, but the second
2: generation came after the first. Oh, nice. Nice. Um, so, so where, where, my question was going there is, was there ever a time, um, when the culture at sunrise was different than it is right now, or put it in other words, was 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 there a a moment in time at your business where you realized that you had to shift the way that you were acting as a boss or or acting as a company in order to deal with growth uh or have you always been this cool
1: <laughs> Uh certainly no I have not always been this cool Um I've got a long ways to go as well you know it, it's a, it's kind of a work in process we uh You know, I was young when I was when I started and didn't realize uh, how to manage people or effectively run a group. And, uh, you know, I've kind of gotten to where I am today through trial and error, made a ton of mistakes along the way. I used to, uh, like Bobby, hold things close to the chest, but uh, then I realized that I wasn't giving people a reason to want to be successful. So uh, just within the last three or four years, I started being much more transparent with what the goals of the company are, not being afraid to make a profit um, and getting people to understand that that's a good thing and and what that means for them. So uh, just recently, we've started being um, more forthright and and, uh, not embarrassed about where we are and getting people
0: invested in what we're doing. Did part of that change come about because of the economy?
1: Yeah, we went through some tough times like everybody did uh, back in the end of '08 and '09. and uh, you know you just gotta through, set your pride aside and, and get people who want to be here. So I, I would say yes, that was uh, a pivotal point in my change in management style and uh, so far so good.
2: and And Mitch, when you're talking about transparency, does it go all the way down to the net profit figure, or are you more open with uh, with your gross figures?
1: Uh, it goes all the way down to the net profit figure. Um, that was the big question a lot of people asked me after the uh, NALC. Um, but uh, yeah, we've just completely opened the books.
0: Mitch, tell how many employees do you have? Seventy-five. Seventy-five employees. Okay. And so, uh, do you do you disclose your gross sales numbers? To yes. uh, obviously, you do to your employees. Okay. So, what do you guys run yeah. annually? to be, what are you running annually uh, last year and this year?
1: We'll be about last year we were 25 million, this year we'll be about twenty eight.
0: What do you now do you come back with a real sales background and sales focus, or is your particular talent and skill with the management and leadership?
1: I'm a 100% sales guy. Uh, The management and leadership is, like I said, trial and error, and uh, it's something I'm learning on the job.
0: (laughs) Me too, my brother. (laughs) Me too, man. Well, what do you... uh, So, some tips for some of our distributor friends that are in sales. Um, Through your years of experience, you've obviously built a successful business. You guys have such a cool brand. Um, What advice do you have for those that are selling today, and how has it changed from when you first started?
1: Well, you know, through... With our company, we uh, we started getting some rather large accounts, and they forced our hand into doing things that uh, we didn't know anything about and weren't comfortable with. But um, we kind of had a few tigers by the tail and were forced into certain directions. So, you know, before when we were selling products, uh, I would say today the products the last thing on our mind. We're we're really trying to sell a solution, understand what they're trying to achieve, and uh, our goal is to get to the table. Um, when they're hatching the marketing plan with the ad agencies and the and the marketers and merchants at the particular companies. And uh, we want to be involved up front and not an afterthought. So we really had to get our sales team focused on not reacting and taking orders, but getting out in front of the business and uh, being there when the ideas are hatched in the first place.
0: And a question to both of you, I guess, Mark, I'm sorry, I don't mean to hog the mic, but I, I'm real curious, both of you, are you both of you seeing that it's more about today's solutions and services um, than it was, say, 7, 10, 15 years ago, which, where it might have been product focused first?
2: Uh, it certainly in in our case we've we continue to see that but I, I i think there's no question that it's more of an expectation now particularly with some of the larger accounts that have so many people that are pitching them on I, our ideas on a on a regular basis that i think the uh, these more sophisticated accounts are looking for distributors that can bring a whole solution whether it's a fulfillment solution uh, in our case, uh, a lot of it is uh, very graphic intensive or, or a strong creative uh, component to it, or maybe even a technologies uh, component. um as as Mitch is saying, we um, I, I would certainly agree that product, well, very, very important in our business uh, is always the second thing that comes out of our mouth as opposed to the first thing because we're always looking to lead with something that is that can't be uh, commoditized as easily. Correct, Thank you, Mitch.
1: Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You know, if, if we get in a situation where we're bidding on product, it's just going to drive the margin down. And uh, you guys coming out of the woodwork that will work cheaper than we'll, we're willing to work. So we have to make it about more than the product.
0: Mitch, in your, in your business mix, what percentage of your clients do you think are, are program-driven, whether it's fulfillment or e-commerce stores or Uh, some of your creative services versus just the pure drop ship promotional product order?
1: Well, I I can answer that in two ways. Um, I would say 80% of our business comes from clients that we do have some sort of contractual program-based relationship with. Uh, However, uh, you know, the majority of that business is, um ship custom type business but the reason we get it is because we have these relationships and run these online stores or do these fulfillment programs for them so it's a way for us to get in and kind of build walls and keep uh, other people out
0: yeah does that make sense yeah <laughs> absolutely yeah
2: Switching uh, gears slightly here, uh, Mitch, you you were made famous on the Promo Kitchen website for a a great article that you wrote a few months ago called Kill, Kill, Kill the Catalog. Uh, Loved it. (laughs) Emphasis on three kills. And this is, you know, great, you you know, book burning that we can see here, a catalog burning image. Right. um, uh, I think the... uh, the question that I have is, can you elaborate a little bit more on on why it is that you think the catalog is taking up space in our industry and why it is that Sunrise would never use a catalog to market itself to clients? Well, I think
1: it gets back to selling product versus solutions. Uh, if you come in with a catalog and start focusing on pens and caps and mugs, um, you really You've started from you started backwards, um, talking about product rather than trying to figure out what they're trying to achieve. So what we try to do is figure out what's the goal here, and then we'll go back and come and present specific ideas directed at whatever solution they're trying to achieve. If you lead the other way, then you get in a bidding war, and it's it's all it becomes about the product, and then we're not that special.
2: So as it relates to how a supplier goes to market if if you have the the, the, the standard suppliers coming into your office and uh, with a product knowledge session um, what do you say to those suppliers that sell through a catalog on their end is that appropriate from a supplier to a distributor but just not appropriate from a distributor to an end user or is there's or or is there no room whatsoever for a catalog in the industry period
1: oh uh, that you know I wish there was no room for a catalog but I'm sure that uh, the suppliers rely heavily on uh, the average sales rep that sells, I don't know what the the average is, but somewhere around $100,000 a year or something. Um, and I, I think the catalog is um, an effective way for them to reach that audience. Uh, when suppliers come in here, and i understand i 'm not i 'm not sure, but I hear it a lot of trade shows it 's very difficult to get an appointment here uh, because our our procurement team doesn't allow them to come in and pitch product they 've got to understand who our clients are and and pitch specific ideas for those clients right
0: How do you manage that Mitch when you say that 's fascinating to me how do you um, yeah, you 've obviously got some tight controls on that, and when you say they 've got to lead with services first, you don't typically get the 20 phone calls a week to say, hey, I'd like to come in and uh, do you have time on Thursday, you know, that type of stuff?
1: Yeah, you know, it's always been an issue, and uh, we have a supplier services procurement team that all inquiries and, and site visits, they have to go through that team, and they're very good at being kind of the uh, gatekeeper on who gets to come in here. We have a pretty robust, robust uh Preferred supplier group, and uh, they have to do certain things for us in order to get the audience. And just coming in and pitching product isn't acceptable. We just make that clear to them that they need to get a list of our clients and talk to our reps before they come and figure out specific
2: things that they want to pitch to our team. The um, the the I, I know the common complaint from a lot of suppliers in in the business is that they can't be overly strategic with distributors because distributors are holding the cards close to the chest, so to speak. Um, one thing that I was interested in what you just said there, Mitch, is that you, you're you fairly open and forthright with the opportunities and the projects and the clients that you're working with, with suppliers. Uh, have, have you ever been concerned about oversharing with suppliers or is that just the way that you guys do business?
1: You know, Uh, Great question, Mark. Uh, Yes, I was for years concerned about oversharing, um, but hearing from our supplier partners that we need to be more strategic and open with them over the years, it's part of my my maturity process. I've grown and, uh, again, kind of invited them in and trusted them uh, to do what they do best. And, uh, you know, looking back on it, I'm I'm kind of embarrassed that I was worried about it. I haven't had a problem with it, and I trust these guys as partners of ours. Right. Yeah. That's a great response.
0: Uh, Mitch, let me switch gears a little bit and ask you something. Since you manage so many salespeople, and you've obviously had good success with it, what common traits do you see in, in your best salespeople? And I'm, I'm also asking this question just because we may have a lot of folks that don't aren't in a large organization or they might be um, younger distributors starting out. What traits should they be trying to build and skill sets should they be working on?
1: Well, Bobby, that is the million-dollar question. Sure. Uh, I've got all different types of sales guys, um, you know, and they're each successful in their own way. Um You know, kind of our best guy is the classic uh, overachiever, gets in at five in the morning, makes calls, does emails till eight and then leaves the office and just floats around his client's offices for the entire day, delivers products by himself. Uh, you know runs to printers and does different things he's kind of a full service kind of guy another guy that I have is very successful sits behind his desk and orchestrates a team and uh, is very good with communication uh, but very rarely is out visiting clients so I I can't tell you what is the best way um, but I I, I would say that we look for guys that are motivated and hungry and don't know when to stop and uh, those are usually the ones that do the best
0: and both of those sales styles that you just mentioned, that largely could depend on the type of client that they're serving as well. Is that not correct?
1: Yeah, certainly correct. Uh, you know, our, our top guy, he has essentially one major client that he can hang out at all day and still find stuff to do. Right. right.
0: And, and the other one might be doing more program business with some of those clients, and so he's managing a team, and, and it's a lot about response time and things like that.
2: Correct. Mitch, I, I'm I'm uh, I'm curious uh, about the your 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 path to growth and the pitfalls and the challenges that you've run into. Uh, the as most of us know in the industry, the average or I think there was this interesting stat that we heard at NALC that Bob McLean was sharing with us is that ninety-two percent of the industry has less than a million dollars worth of sales, or not ninety-two percent of the distributors have less than a million dollars worth of sales so that would mean that um, a distributor like yours 25-30 million is extremely rare um, do you have any tips or any advice I know this is a big question but I like to ask them um, around um Crossing that uh, uh, the chasm, so to speak, when you were a, a one to two, three million dollar distributor to the, to that next stage, that ten to fifteen million dollar um, stage, and what it is that you learned, and whether you have any advice for distributors that are looking to take that leap from from the the, the small leagues to the big leagues.
1: Well, you know, in our case, uh, we had to get a little out of our comfort zone. And get into things that uh, that we weren't doing in the past, such as you know, doing our uh, and the suppliers will hate this, but doing our own importing. Um, really beefing up our in-house creative staff, yep. uh, spending a ton of money on compliance, and leading with that yep. as we go sell larger accounts. Um, willing to get in contracts and open your books and sign, uh, margin agreements with these bigger guys and, and really becoming less of a product guy and more of a solution guy.
2: The, uh, uh, kind of a corollary question or, or Bobby, how do you pronounce corollary and corollary? It's the corollary. How How, how would you, you, Mitch, how do you pronounce it? Corollary,
0: <laughs> yeah, Mark. I told you, you but you butcher the English language. Gee,
2: I know I'm an embarrassment, but uh, <laughs> we we um we we had this really interesting podcast with Danny Sermon from Zebra Promotions, uh, and and the theme of it, Mitch, was uh, this whole idea of how distributors can sometimes grow past happy. So there's this. I think there's a lot of people in the industry that might be doing a million dollars in sales and would look at a guy like you and say wow mitch must be such a happy guy um so my question for you is um you know has where is happy for a company like sunrise i mean you guys is is happy at uh where you are at right now is it at 50 million uh i mean talk to me about that i'm i'm interested uh
1: well i you know, I, I would say that we're not happy yet. Um, we, we still think we have a platform here to, to grow considerably without adding top-level pieces. Uh, yeah. The machine, if you will, is built, yeah. Uh, and we have a lot of room for growth um, uh, without changing our model too much. Um, you know, our three-year plan has us doubling in size. Um, I realize that's a large undertaking, but that's kind of where we set our goals, and yeah. uh, we're going after that. Um but, you know, where do I end up happy? I You know, I don't think I ever do. I just keep going. <laughs>
2: <laughs> That's a good answer.
0: <laughs> so we're running close to our time, Mitch. Uh, uh, we have some some questions that, are, uh, that we wanted to ask you. Uh, b- before I begin the questions, Mark, was there anything else you wanted to
2: ask, Mitch? Uh, no, no. I I got all the ones that I was looking to uh, ask in, in this first version of the podcast. There'll be another one. Mitch. Right, exactly. <laughs>
0: so, Mitch, you got our questions okay, right? I do. Yes. All right, so we just started this new new thing we're doing. Part of it is just to kind of get to know you a little bit better. Uh number 1, what's your favorite word?
1: That's easy. It's it's the most important word in the English language and that is profit.
0: <laughs> nice. <laughs> Room, desk and car, what do you clean first?
1: Room. Uh I don't spend much time in my room. Uh, I spend way too much time in my car, in my office, and there's just too much crap in here to clean up.
0: <laughs> I spoke like a true promo guy. Uh, favorite <laughs> favorite animated film?
1: Uh, you know, I'd have to go with The Simpsons movie, um, yeah. but uh, if you let me expand on that, animated yeah. show is definitely The Family Guy.
2: Mm, that's
0: <laughs> a great one. <laughs> that fits your personality so much, man. Uh, favorite <laughs> beverage? I'm going to guess Heineken, but...
1: You know, uh, I I had that down as my answer, but I've changed uh, as part of my uh, maturing process. I'm now an IPA guy, so I'm going to go with an ice-cold Red Hook IPA.
0: Wow. Mm. Yeah, you and uh, Rod Brown would get along great. Uh, First Mars visit, you can only take the complete works of one artist and author with you. Who are they?
1: Uh, It would be Roger Waters and Pink Floyd, The Wall. Nice. Nice.
0: What excites you about our industry?
1: Uh, I think it's the size, you know, whether it's 17, 18, 19 billion dollars. And, uh, you know, the top companies are only scratching the surface of that. I think there's amazing opportunities for growth everywhere you look, even in, in Seattle. Uh, there's hundreds of companies that I should be doing business with and I'm not yet.
0: Yeah, that's cool. What, what deflates you about our industry? I think the zero
1: barriers to entry, um, just the noise with all the competitors who aren't taking compliance seriously and can go in and great get great prices
0: from our suppliers and undercut us. Yeah. What profession other than our own would you like to attempt?
1: Uh, real estate. Hmm. I think it's someday I'd like to start uh, owning some apartment buildings and sit back and collect rent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's no paper. Doesn't that proof. Sound
0: good? there's no virtual proofs <laughs> or paper proofs involved in that man um, exactly. what profession would you not like to do
1: you know I, I don't think you'd want to be a lawyer I deal enough with them and uh, <laughs> I, I have good lawyer friends but they can take the smallest problem and make it the biggest one very easily <laughs>
0: <laughs> and final question favorite app slash
1: software at the moment uh the one i use the most is the find my iphone app i use it to track (laughs) where my kids are at any given moment Uh, i'm still waiting to catch i'm waiting to catch them uh not telling me the truth but you know so far so good
0: (laughs) (laughs) i would not have expected that one that's a good one that is good mitch before we close is there anything else you want to mention or, or chat about
1: uh no thank you guys for the opportunity it was a lot of fun to uh Give you what little knowledge I have on the industry and uh, love to do it again.
0: Thanks, Mitch. We appreciate your time, man. Mark?
2: And, you know, that's what we love about Mitch is modesty. <laughs> 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 no, that was awesome. Thanks so much. No, and, and as I was saying, this is definitely part one. We can uh, certainly revisit this in a few months, but really appreciate your time, Mitch.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, guys. I look forward to seeing you. Where will I see you next? All right, man. I, th- uh, right. Man. I think uh, uh, Power
0: Summit? Power Summit. Power Summit? Oh, yeah. Power Summit. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah. I'll be there. All right, I'll see you guys there. Have have an IPA for me. All right, we'll do. (laughs) You bet, man. Take care. Take care, man. Bye, bye.